The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hi, everybody. Welcome. I am not Leanne Pico. I will do my best to fill in for her. I am Kathy Cloat's guest, and I am the guest host today. And I am the founder of Keeping It Human, keepingithuman.com. And we help organizations tell their most important stories to the world because we know storytelling is a really critical leadership skill, and everything comes down to storytelling. Just a few notes about me um, I'll be speaking at the Writer Access Conference in May in Las Vegas. I've got a book coming out this summer and you can find more information on my podcast which is the keeping it human improvised marketing show on itunes you can download it there but i want to jump into our talk today because we've got a fantastic guest and i'm just so excited that he's here it is kevin allison he doesn't need an introduction but he's gonna get one because he deserves it so (laughs) every guest does Um, With his writing and acting work on the legendary sketch comedy series, The State on MTV, as well as Stella, Reno 911. How many of you watched Reno 911? I did, and I loved it. Flight of the Concords, The Performance Troupe, Blue Man Group, and more. Kevin has created all kinds of stories. In 2009, Kevin created Risk, the live show and audio podcast where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. The podcast is now downloaded over 1 million times per month. That's mind-boggling. That, that's huge. We all wish our podcasts were downloaded that much. As the founder of The Story Studio, Kevin has coached best-selling authors, famous comedians, and brilliant teachers and execs from a wide spectrum of fields, all on the art of storytelling. So with that, Kevin Ellison, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm excited. So you have to understand, um, I have been a fan of you know Kevin's work for a while, and it was actually my husband who um, I had been a big fan of the Moth, and I still love the Moth. and And my husband was like, "You have to listen to this podcast called The Risk. You have to listen to it, and it is a fantastic, <laughs> uh, just testament to the power of storytelling and personal storytelling." So. I want to know, my first question to you, Kevin, is, you know, what's your story? You're a, you're a consummate storyteller. You're a storyteller's storyteller. So what's the story of Kevin Allison? Well, you know, it, I, I find it really fascinating how in the world today, with the way that careers are shaped today, uh, people have, uh, people don't tend to do one thing and to continue building and building and building on one 
career trajectory. But what is fascinating, like a lot of times you'll speak to people and they'll think, oh, but my career, I look back at my history and it's a little bit up and down and then over here and then it veers back over there. You know, there's actually, I think, a lot of value in that for a lot of people. In my own case, you know, I went to a Jesuit high school that put a very high premium on the idea of investigating yourself, the life examined. So Mm -hmm. there were opportunities on a regular basis to get up in religion classes or debating classes to kind of uh, tell about your experiences. I tell a story on risk uh, in an episode called The God Problem about how when I went to Peru, when I was at St. X to do some work for the poor down there, uh, I came back to St. X and told the story of what it had been like to an auditorium filled with 1,300 people. And I think that was probably the first spark you know, like really stuck in my, in the back of my brain as, oh, wow, there's profound value in simply speaking about your life experience, the things that you've witnessed and made happen or worked through and sharing it with other people because that went over so big that day. And a lot of boys signed up for that Peru retreat after they heard me give that speech. Um, but then it was, you know, I went to NYU to go to film school. I thought I was going to become a filmmaker and quickly fell in with the group, the state, the sketch comedy group. And we were lucky enough to have our own show on MTV after we broke up or after, uh, we graduated from college, but it was really after the group broke up, uh, that I spent about 12 years as a starving artist, you know, from about the time I had been you know, the king of the crop when I was on MTV. And then the next thing I knew, I was working as a cater waiter, you know, when I was about 26 years old. So Mm. it was those 12 years of not knowing what to do with my career next that is, I think, one of the most powerful parts of my life to look back on. Because you know what? I tried everything. I tried writing television scripts. I tried being the artistic director of a little theater. I would audition all the time for all kinds <laughs> of things. Yeah, so I was kind of, you know, uh, searching and seeking. And yeah. I think that when I created Risk, that is really the point at which the various skills that I'd honed uh, kind of came together in a way that I'd never quite completely seen before. Um, here was a story. To true, true storytelling is a format in which you can be various parts of your personality. You can talk about mixed emotions. You can um, show sides of yourself that you're not used to showing. And in the process of creating this show, I've looked back and realized, oh, my God, so many of the things, the skills that I developed, doing this and that that I thought were failures in my past were actually, uh, that was my education that brought me to this. Mm-hmm. 
I love that story because I, I, you know, as a storyteller and somebody who also, you know, similar to you, which is why I, I, I love your work, has a background in, in, in comedy and sketch and improv. It's, I think nothing's ever wasted. You know, I think about what you just said. And even when you were sort of figuring out your next move and where you'd go next, all these experiences become stories later on in your life. And you never really... You never throw them away ever because you come back to them. What did I learn during that period of, of my life? And you map your highs and lows and you have a trajectory on your hands. And that's a story. And so it's just finding the little patterns. And so as you're talking, I'm, I'm shaking my head, which you can't see. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I get that. Because I think that, you know, everybody has that trajectory of their life and the patterns and the commonalities. And even when you think you weren't doing something, you were. And it's how oh, do you, absolutely. yeah, how do you weave it into, and we're going to delve in, into that richly in a, in a few minutes. And, and it's really how you package that and, and bring that together in a, in a narrative structure that people go, yeah, I get that. I get it. Yeah. You know, I have heard Stephen Colbert say before that it's not just that he learned to endure uh, bombing on stage, but that he learned to cherish it. That that, that <laughs> the, kind of the muscle memory in his psyche got to a point that when he realized, oh, I'm bombing. This is not going over well. This is a disaster tonight. That uh, a part of his psyche was just like really opened up and kind of embraced that as, oh my gosh this is valuable experience. I'm, I'm learning here, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that, I think, is, that's, that, you know, downright zen-like to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and, and it, I laugh because, I mean, everybody who's ever done, you know, uh, you know, long form or done stand-up, we've all had those moments, and it is super scary, but it's like, boy, it makes you work harder, and it makes you appreciate oh, the yeah. times. The times that you do tell that story well or things come together collectively in a sketch and it just, it's like music because the times where things, well, that didn't work. Um, those are, that's okay. Like you said, that's education. That's instruction, you know? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting that you mentioned improv because when people attend my storytelling workshops and they say, you know, what other areas might I work on? What, what other sorts of workshops might I take? The first thing I say is improv, because improv teaches you, it, it, it really is kind of like martial arts training of getting those, that muscle memory ready to realize that failure is not the end of the world, that you can uh, say something that doesn't go over so well, or that just you know, lands in silence, or even you can sometimes say stuff that offends people for a moment, uh, but then you realize, oh okay, that wasn't so big a deal because most of the people in the room are really just hoping the next thing that happens does work. And, you know, you, you, you learn that, oh, gosh, that was just like a passing cloud and we're on with the show. So I think that that's a really, you know, valuable way to get used to tripping and getting back up. Yeah, absolutely. No, it it it, it absolutely is. Um, can you kind of give us sort of the highlights of you know, Kevin? What where was the inspiration or the impetus for you for for creating Risk? What what was it that you said, hey, you know, um, this is needed in the world? What was that inspiration for yeah. you? Yeah, 
Yeah, I love that, you know, it, it's, I cherish that story because it completely changed my life. So, yeah, in the 12 years after the state broke up, I was kind of a classic starving artist. You know, I was uh, not uh, holding on to any job for very long and having a really hard time figuring out how I wanted to express myself. And what I figured I should do, because I had made it on TV previously as a sketch comedian, I was like, well, now I'm alone. I guess I can do solo sketch comedy, which which is a little (laughs) radical. I was basically getting up on stage as crazy characters, and maybe there would be another character that wasn't there, or maybe it was just me speaking directly to the audience. But what was interesting was... I I, I found myself, the more I did that, I found myself wanting more and more to actually say stuff I really, truly believed in or had experienced, but it was all behind the facade of these big, crazy, funny, broad characters. So it was in 2008 that I created a show... <laughs> I'll send. I it's the name of the show is censored. It was the show is called Half <laughs> Up, <laughs> meaning <laughs> meaning it was five characters who had F up their careers, and they were all based on me. Basically, there there was a character, for example, who was a 1920s. Uh, Jewish vaudeville comedian whose partner had gone on to become rich and famous in Hollywood, but he was left behind, you know, in New York. Uh, so that guy was clearly just based on me. But the show somehow, I think, was still too broad and too, oh, I don't know, hit you over the head. There was some way that it wasn't quite connecting. So I did this show at the San Francisco Sketch Fest, and when I did it, there were only about 15 people in, the, in, in an audience that the theater could seat about 300. But Michael Ian Black was there. He was a member of the state as yeah. well back in the day. And he came up to me after the show and I said, what do you think? I was devastated. I felt like the show went terribly. And he said, you know, I feel like the audience just wanted you to drop the act and start speaking from the heart as yourself about your own life experience. And I said, oh, gosh. I said, I've been auditioning for Hollywood agents and casting directors for the past 12 years. I feel like they wouldn't want some of the things that I am. You know, like, if you put all the aspects of my personality together, it's an odd mix. You know, I'm gay, and sometimes I can be kinky, but sometimes I can be super polite and friendly and was raised very Catholic and Midwestern and... So I, I, I was just like, I, I, I think it's like I can sometimes be incredibly serious and sometimes be completely absurdist. So I said, it just feels too risky to be me on stage. Mm. And he said, that's the word. If it feels risky, then you're probably actually opening up a bit and an audience will start to open up to you. So the very next week, I came back to New York. And I said, all right, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to tell a true story that feels really revealing and honest in front of an audience. And I did. I did it at the UCB Theater for a show called Strip Stories. And I was so terrified before I got up on stage that night. I I literally called the woman who was putting on the show, and I said, I don't think I can do this. It feels too risky. 
And she said, oh, my gosh, someone always calls me and says that because these stories are true <laughs> and very intimate. But yeah. if I can convince you to do it, that'll be the one that hits it out of the park. And, indeed, that's exactly what happened. I, I got up, I told my story, and I noticed that I wasn't just reciting facts to people. I noticed that I wasn't just, like, running them through a, a, a sort of a agenda or... or uh, um, a monologue. I was actually conversing. I was making eye contact, and I could feel an energy going back and forth between myself and the audience. I, it was just very palpably different from what I had been doing before. And I also noticed that afterwards, people weren't just saying things like, that was smart or that was funny, but people were saying things like, oh my gosh, I've never been through anything exactly like what you described in that story. But the emotion you said that you felt at that one point, it triggered in my memory this fight I got into with my mom when I was 16 years old. You know, like, if you speak mm -hmm. from your most authentic place about, you know, the truth as best you can put your finger on it, uh, it resonates with people in ways that, you know, I always say that when we start off in the storytelling for stage world, the moth risk, stuff like that, uh, you think, oh, this, this might be considered kind of like a verbal selfie. Like, look at me. Uh, everyone pay attention to me. I'm going to tell you what I think of my life. Uh, but in fact, if you're really coming at it from an authentic place and, and trying to unpack the truth, uh, it ends up being much bigger than you. It ends up being about what resonates with other people out there and how what you're saying might be vicarious experience that for them, you know, mm -hmm. that, that you're taking them somewhere. And because of all the experience they've had, it could really open up something in their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No question. Well, I, you know, I, it's, we, we, we're going to take a break here in a second, but, um, I, I did, uh, last year, my first one woman show and boy, I tell you, I was feeling it. I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And I had people had to talk me off that ledge you're talking about, but it was the best thing I ever did because that, that That's vulnerability, great. that vulnerability allowed people to see me raw. And that was probably the best, uh, most real human connection with an audience that I've ever had. And I I didn't have that in improv. You don't have it in sketch, but that was when people went, I see you. And it was pretty cool. So what you're talking about is pretty powerful. And we're going to, we're going to take a break here sh shortly and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how to apply this to your own career story. So I can't wait to, to talk to you about that. I know you've got a lot of great tips to share with everybody. Absolutely. Fantastic. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. 
Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hi, everybody. I am your guest guest host, not, not Leanne Paco, but Kathy Cloat's guest, filling in for Leanne, and we are talking to the fabulous storyteller, Kevin Allison, and... We sort of segued at the break. We talked about the genesis of Risk, the Risk podcast, which is a fabulous podcast. That that and the Moth are two of my of my personal favorites for storytelling. And I want to talk with Kevin about um, how people can think about their own career as a story, and how do you get started thinking about that, Kevin, in a way as we talked at the break that that is honest and and authentic and maybe vulnerable. You know, embrace your failures. Um, I think sometimes people are afraid in business. We're so afraid of talking about failures. But my, my personal belief is if you've never failed, then you've really never done anything in your life that's probably worth a story. We all, we, we've all failed. So how do you start to balance telling that story, that narrative, in a way that's real, authentic, um, and, and, and has humility in it? I know that's a big, that's a big question. <laughs> Absolutely. If you, I would advise anyone listening that if you can think back on what some of your very favorite how-to books are in the realm of business, that it's quite likely that if that book was written in a very personal sort of, you know, where, where the author's voice really came through in an authentic way where you felt like, oh, I, I feel like I know this woman, or, or I feel like I'm having a beer with this man, you know, yeah. uh, it's quite likely that that book is filled with anecdotes about times that were challenging in that person's career, or times that they thought that they dropped the ball entirely, or were just confused about where to go next, or times that they were really, really inspired by how difficult things were and that that energy got them over a hump. Um, so, yeah, I think that we, we have this tendency, and I think that it comes from building resumes, largely, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, when, when yes. we go, Yeah, we go through that, that job interview process, handing in resumes, and think that, all right, what I'm supposed to mostly do is 
brag about my accomplishments and my selling point. And there is indeed ways that you can get that into personal stories that you share in, in your career. But it's important to remember that when you're sharing true stories, you are kind of walking a little bit of a tightrope between being too self-deprecating or too self-indulgent and braggy, right? Yes. You're trying to kind of find, how can I be really as authentic and honest as I can, but really draw meaning out of my true experience? Like, you know, you don't have to have climbed Mount Everest to have a story about getting over a big hump. You know what I mean? There there are things that that go on inside your head and your heart, depending on what you really valued or cared about or, or were really putting a lot of your sense of purpose into, that can make for great stories, whether the experience ended up being a failure or maybe a discovery of a new path or, you know, tremendous success. So, yeah. It's incredibly valuable to recognize first that you might think you don't have the kinds of stories that are going to win people over, but you do. It's really just a matter of kind of getting some insight and spending a little bit of time mulling things over and trying some stories out on other people because You've got, everyone's got plenty of stories about the experiences that got you from here to there or the experiences that gave you a sense of why you wanted to do what you're doing in the first place or the story that you hope to be living into, you know, a project you're working on that you have a vision of for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it seems to me, too, you, so, well, so many career stories are so transactional, Kevin, and they come at it very robotic, and and and, and they're they're either way self indulgent or they're just very. Um, I did this, and then I did that, and they're very matter of fact, and it gets to the point that we talked about at the top of this this uh, uh, podcast, which is you know you've transactional stories miss the emotional conduit, and there's nothing there that connects you to the audience, and so how how can people really break down these different moments of their lives and and weave a story that's got a, a narrative arc of emotion. Because I think in business, right. we, we somehow think that we have to talk about all the ROI and I did this for my company and like, we're not robots. <laughs> and, and we miss the mm-hmm. most important part of it, I think. Oh, absolutely. That is, and, and that, you know, you were talking about improv before. I've heard people say that in order to get really good at improv, you should be training in it for about two years straight before you feel like, all right, I really got this. Well, storytelling is similar in that, you know, don't give up if the first time you tell a story after taking a storytelling workshop, you feel like, well, that didn't quite come. Because... This is an on, you get better and better and better the more consciously you start to apply these things. What you're talking about there is you are absolutely right. That is the central problem in storytelling, in stories told for business, is people forget that what we care about most in stories and care about most, period, is an emotional through line. 
we want to kind of resonate with the values, the hopes, the dreams, the fears of a hero character. It might be one person, it might be a whole team, or it could even be an entire company. Or sometimes it's a brand, you know, it's like a... Uh, like you'll sometimes see in cartoon in uh, commercials where they'll they'll turn a can of coke into a little character or something like that, right? So mm. we really want to latch on to the concerns and emotional weather going on inside a character, so that we can kind of care like they care about whatever it is they're going through. Um, so yeah, most stories. Start in one place, in one plane emotionally, like, oh, we were really depressed and now we're happy, or we were really out of money and now we're flush with it, or we <laughs> did believe that and now we believe this, you know. Right. Uh, there's kind of emotions and values laden in the, the, the place where the story begins, the mood of the beginning and the mood at the end. So it's important to kind of keep that in mind and say, all right, well, how do, how do I keep checking in with the hero of this story along the way to see how he or she is feeling about this new development, what she or he is saying about this uh, next attempt to do something, and, you know, uh, literally, what it boils down to is that we need more sensory information in a story that people forget that the way that a story becomes more emotional and more plugged into what the lead character is feeling is to include the senses in the story, to include, like, oh, and then I noticed her eyes grew wide and she looked so excited or... And then I felt in my gut this sting of adrenaline because I was so nervous. Or, and then I could hear in the tone of my own voice how loud I was getting with frustration. Or, um, you know, I, I always say it's those six senses. It's sight, sound, smell, taste. We use smells and taste less. But thinking mind sorts of details, which includes things that people said out loud or voices you heard in your head or little daydreams you had. Yeah. And feeling body, feeling body stuff like, you know, when you felt your heart start racing or you got goosebumps or you could feel your chest, you know, it was as if something was lifted off your chest. So, yeah, including a lot of those sensory details in a story and that's when people say, what can I do if I, if I notice that their eyes start to glaze over? And yeah. I say, just transpose whatever you're currently talking about into a human being experiencing sensory felt experience, yes. right? So in other words, the, the, the best example I can usually give of this is in the 1970s and early 80s, Oxfam America used to send out a direct mail letter, and they were trying to raise money for a particular little region of Africa where the poverty was just out of control. 
And so it was a big list of facts and figures. You know, like, in this part of Africa, over 950,000 people can't afford more than one glass of water per day. Right. Then, in the late 80s, early 90s, they switched the tactic. They sent out a direct mail letter that, when you opened it, you saw the picture of a little girl. And it said, this is Aisha. When she wakes up at 7 in the morning and runs to the table... She grabs a glass of clean water, but she knows, oh my goodness, I have to have restraint here because I can't have all of it. This is all the clean water I'll have today. And she's in the same boat as 950,000 other people in that region. So you are getting the exact same research data, but now it's been transposed into a human being having felt experience that we can see and hear because there are references being made to her witnessing and experiencing life with her observable senses. And believe it or not, you can make that transposition to almost any sentence. You know, you can take almost, even if you don't have a hero's journey, even if what you're trying to communicate is really just a couple of sentences and not a complete story, You can liven it up, you can spice it up by thinking, all right, I'm going to make the person having this experience myself or the person I'm talking to, right? For example, you can sometimes say, hey, imagine you open your your email one day and bam, your eyes grow wide because you see, oh my gosh, this news about someone's lost their job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah put someone else in the story or, or have a fictional person like Aisha, whoever it is, to mm-hmm. try to transpose the information you're talking about into human being feeling stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's 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 so true. I mean, those little things make such a big difference. And, you know, it's... we. We get, we do get so caught up in the, in the transaction in business. We forget that it's just people. Nobody checks their, you know, their human card at the door when they walk into a building and do business. And, and those little things make such a big difference. And, and in improv, I, you know, I, I know you, you had probably coaches that would do the same thing. It's like specifics, specifics. So you would, you would call for a drink in a scene and they'd say specific, be specific, a dry martini with three olives on top better because we're going to remember, we're going to anchor on these points that are really specific and feelings are the same way and if you're describing you know an agonizing layoff decision that a CEO has to make and there was sweat dripping from his brow as he wiped it away and that stays with people and that really humanizes the experience that we're talking about and it's exactly what you're saying absolutely you know absolutely and you know the reason people shy away from that the reason that it takes some practice to learn how to take us there into moments happening is because it feels actually quite intimate. You know, when you say Ah. something like, uh, you know, when I shook her hand, I felt an immediate, like, you know, electricity between us or something like, I mean, that, that sounds, I I didn't mean it that way. What I meant was, you know, when, when you get into the nitty gritty of how, you know, someone's face reacted or how, uh, you know, the the sound in the tone of their voice or, 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 you know, specifics like that then it really does feel like, oh, gosh, this person is really kind of taking me there. 
and it feels like you're more like you're getting closer to the person you're speaking to. And I think that's why people shy away a little bit. People are like, oh, that's maybe a little inappropriate to get so specific about putting yourself in my shoes or in someone else's shoes, like really experience moment for moment life. But that is what we remember. You know, on risk, a person will often say, uh, uh, my boyfriend, and then just call that person that throughout the whole story. And I'm like, no, if you don't want to use the person's real name, then make up a name, because we, the listener, have a hard time in our mind uh, putting a whole bunch of traits onto just my boyfriend. We, we want to get to know Daniel or Frank or, you know what I mean? We, 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 so, so in stories told for business, people will do this all the time. They'll say, uh, then we decided to take this tactic and that didn't work out so well until finally the team realized we have to go this way. Well, there's opportunities right there to be until one day Carol comes into my office and she says, holy cow, I think I've got it. Put that away. Let's talk about this because I think I know a new direction for us. So all of a sudden we're hearing people speaking. It's dramatic. It's like a play where we're there. We're seeing the reactions on people's faces and we're hearing what they said. And all of a sudden we're really relating to this team. It's not just we did this, we did that. It's not just a list of like a Wikipedia entry of... (laughs) You know, this happened right. and then that happened. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, and what you're akin, this is akin to uh, sort of character development. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that after the next break. But it, it's exactly that. It's, you know, we tend to say, well, the CEO or this person. And we don't even endow names. And the more we endow as a character, as a human being, as a protagonist, we are able to be kind of transported into that story and identify human to human. And that's where I think a lot of business stories also kind of fall flat. They flatline because it's it's the CEO and it's this anomalous, no-named, no-face kind of CEO. And, and things like that just make a big difference in what you're talking about. So we'll definitely right. talk m- more about that uh, and some other wonderful tips from Kevin after our break. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. 
Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hi, everybody. I am your guest host, Kathy Clotes Guest of Keep It at Human.com, and we are talking to the wonderful, uh, the one and only, the real Kevin Allison <laughs> of Risk. <laughs> and we've been having a great conversation. And I want to continue sort of what we started before the last break, which is this idea of fleshing out characters and giving dimension and sensory experience. And and Kevin, how can people think about when they're thinking about the stories they're going to tell in business? Um, how can they think about giving these characters uh, the depth and dimension that they deserve and need? Well, you know, I think that, that the first, the very first thing that I think you have to do in a story that you tell for business, as opposed to a story that you might tell for something like The Moth or Risk or, or you know, a stage sort of a story, is to really get clear on what is it I want to communicate? What is my controlling idea here? What's the moral of this story that I want to share? Because what you're really trying to get across in your story is some sort of value or belief or um, a, 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 something that, that you, you're really behind and want to persuade people of. So, before you even start brainstorming on what the story itself might be, I think it's very important to keep in mind, okay, who is my audience? What do I really want to convince them of? And what are some of the things they might, what are some of the prejudices they might have that might keep them from hearing me with a completely open mind here? You know, maybe they'll think, oh, you're too young, or oh, you don't even come from my field of work, or whatever it is, they might have little prejudices that you might want to you know, keep in mind to be able to address in the way you're telling the story. Then once you come up with that controlling idea, that final line you're going to land on that says, you know, here, just like in, say, Aesop's Fables, when the story of the tortoise and the hare ends on the line, and so you see the moral is, slow yeah. and steady wins the race. That's a great, like a, a good story told for business should end with a line that's just that clear, you know, something like, you know, and so you see, that's why we believe that our, par- our, our customers are more like partners, or mm-hmm. we don't just make computers, we're here to empower creativity, or whatever it is, 
something at the end that really shows value and belief and, you know, a, a sense of purpose of here's why I just told yes. you that, right? Yeah. And what, once you know that, you really ought to start to think of, okay, do, do I, can I think of circumstances where either myself or a mentor of mine on, the, on my staff or maybe someone from a job I worked in previously, can I think of an instance, a life instance, that really helps illustrate that point where I can show a character, it's usually going to be you, you're usually going to be right. the main character in your story, where I can show just how much I believed in that controlling idea or maybe believed in something else and then came around to believing in that controlling idea. Um, so that, that, that first and foremost, you want to think, okay, how do I really connect and care about what this story is about? And then start thinking, okay, can I narrow down some actual life experiences? Because you do want some scenes in your story. You don't want right. to be able to show the eureka moment when you were, you know, maybe you were drifting off to sleep or you were, you know, making your breakfast in the morning on the way to work when you realized, oh my goodness, what if we did it this way, you know? Or mm -hmm. the moment of being, you know, at wit's end when you were like, oh my gosh, I don't think uh, we have what it takes to keep going down this road. You know, you want to show a couple of scenes where we can really see people feeling, uh, feeling that they've lost, feeling that they're winning, feeling like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, maybe we should go a different route. Um, and yeah, and, and so that's that emotional trajectory you're going to take us on, a little trip of the ups and downs feelings that people had as they went through a certain experience. But it is kind of important to... Uh, when you first brainstorm on a story, see if you can think of a couple of scenes. And sometimes it's easiest if you really narrow it down. Like, oh, instead of telling the entire history of our company, how about we just tell the story of that one project we did last fall, you know? Uh, or, oh, instead of telling about, you know, my entire, uh, you know, my 20s, what I did all throughout my 20s. <laughs> went, to right. think, oh, no, why don't I zero in on that that one job that I had that one year and how I got along, you know, the, the key things that happened between me and my boss. So, yeah, it, 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 it often helps quite a lot to narrow the focus of what the, you know, the incidents that you're going to be showing in the story. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. It's just really sometimes even starting in the middle where you're really taking that micro story and allowing space and time to really flesh that out so that it's got the emotional resonance rather than taking on too big a story. And I also think sometimes business people struggle with, you know, sometimes we are the hero of, of the hero's journey and sometimes we're sort of the backup character and it's hard to tell the story framed through the lens of, all right, maybe our customer was the hero and the emphasis shouldn't really be on us. However, we can maybe start to flesh out what it was like to maybe be the Robin to their Batman and maybe we're the enabling character. And I think sometimes those kinds of stories 
trip people up too, because we are, I mean, our resume and LinkedIn, we're, we're taught to focus everything on ourselves. And so that's not a bad thing. And sometimes we, we, it's hard for business people, I think, to shift that lens a little bit and, and maybe be a, a supporting character. Oh, yeah. I, and you know what? That can be so valuable for, for to, to tell the story of the person who most inspired you or mentored mm-hmm. you in your career or to tell the story of, you know, if you've ever had a client or, or, or someone you partnered with in some way where you really got, uh, where you really started to care about what was going on in their life, you know, and their career, that can be very, very moving to, to, to show that, you know, keep in mind that, you know, one of the, there, I always say that there are three major areas that people tell stories in, in the business realm. One is to show your own sense of purpose, why you get up out of bed every day and do what you do, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that could be something that goes back to, well, when I was in the eighth grade, that's when I first, <laughs> you know, uh, saw right. a boxing match. And, you know, what I mean, it may, God knows, that could be, or it could be something very specific to the workplace. Um, but then there's your personal selling points or the selling points of your company, where that's all about gaining trust, about showing I am an empathetic person or I'm a person who really learns quickly and applies myself, uh, or whatever it might be, you know, uh, a, a, a story that really kind of helps us to get to know you a little bit better and understand why you're at the table. Um, and the third kind of story that people are often telling is a vision. Um, and it could be a vision that you guys had in the past, you know, like we had this vision to create this new product, and we did, and here's how it went. Or it could be a vision for the future. Keep in mind that, listen, we all understand on a gut level, I think, that memory does not really serve accuracy. Memory tends to serve narrative, right? So if there are gaps in your memory... Or if there are places where you think, oh, gosh, I don't remember exactly what she said when I proposed that idea, but I do remember that it felt like she said something like this, that, you know, you have a little bit of license there. Now, obviously, you want to be careful about misrepresenting anyone in your stories in a way that they might not appreciate, you know. If you are going to make someone anonymous in a story or a company anonymous or whatever it might be, those are cases where uh, that character maybe would not appreciate being talked about that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, to, to, to get at w- what it is that... Um, to sh- Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> you're at a roll, Kevin. That's what it is. But when you're t- when you're talking about somebody else and and maybe attributing feelings to them or 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 you know, oh, yes, 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 yes. Right. That that it's okay to um, get a little bit uh, uh, fictional with you know, and you can even couch it in language that that shows that you know, like. 
it seemed to me that what she was really feeling at that moment was, or, um, you know, I imagine a client of ours opening up this new portfolio and thinking to themselves, you know, you can say stuff like that where it's clear that you're not, you know, working from pure facts and figures, but that you're, you know, using your feeling uh, creativity a little bit in some of the story. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's really powerful. Um, if there was just one, there's so many great tips that we talked about today. I, you know, just off the top of my head, I mean, just the sensory detail that you talked about, just transposing and, and getting to the, to the, the feelings. Um, is there... Is there one quick tip that you could give? Because um, there's so much richness in what you said. Just one thing that people could do today that would immediately make their business stories better. What's what's one thing that you would recommend? Well, you know, the way that there's another way that that whole idea is worded in creative writing classes, and it is whenever possible, show, don't tell. So telling is when you find yourself explaining something or speaking in a way that sounds like summary, right? That sounds a little bit like a Wikipedia where you're just kind of giving <laughs> us the, an, an overview of things happening. Whereas showing is when you bring into our mind's eye maybe a particular location, a particular time of day, where we feel like we can actually hear and interactions going on. So, you know, thinking of, oh, are there places where, like in a novel or in a movie scene, I can show a little bit more of the ideas being had and the plans being made and the, you know, exchanges of power happening rather than just explaining it. And the way to do that is by thinking in terms of, oh, visual details, like the room was a complete mess. I wondered how they got mm-hmm. any work done there. Or, oh, she was dressed so well put together. I knew that she was someone who really um, takes good care of everything. Uh, or, uh, you know, like I said, sounds like oh, the, the, the place sounded so calm and, and, and efficient and it's, you know, with how, I don't know, whatever it is that mm-hmm. I could hear typewriters. And, yeah, to, to just include that sensory detail is, is just immediately going to bring us, it's going to take us there. So, yeah, that, that would be the one thing that I would say is off the cuff to think, how can I show a little bit more and tell a little bit less? Mm. Great. That's fabulous. Um, we've got just a couple minutes left. Um, do you have something coming up, uh, Kevin, maybe that you want to tell the audience about um, briefly, maybe a workshop or something? Yeah. Well, there's, there's one place that you can always find uh, me other than the risk podcast where you can find risk at risk show.com. But, the training, the storytelling training that I do is at thestorystudio.org. And what's great is there, there are two courses that we have that are video courses. Uh, one is called Intro to Storytelling, which is for just storytelling in general. And the other is called Storytelling for Business. 
mm-hmm. you take these courses in your own time, at your own pace, you're watching videos of me lecturing, and then you're downloading worksheets to work on. We're going to have an even more in-depth Storytelling for Business workshop coming to the one-month uh, education system. Uh, they, they teach classes like one-month HTML or one-month Rails, um, and that's going to be an even more dynamic uh, video sort of course that where you participate too. You get feedback from an instructor over you know online. But the Story Studio also teaches. Uh, we we do lots of workshops for corporate staffs. I travel mm-hmm. around the world doing that, uh, and so you can always find plenty of options there. There's one-on-one training I sometimes do with people over Skype. So lots of opportunities at at the Story Studio. Perfect. Thank you, Kevin. And you you heard it, folks. Check out Risk. It's a great podcast. And the Story Studio. I am Kathy Clotes' guest, filling in for Leanne Picot, and you can find me at keepingithuman.com. Kevin, what a joy. Thank you so much. Storyteller to storyteller, improviser to improviser. Thank you so much. What fun. Oh, thank you. This is a treat. Oh, ple- the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> thanks so much. Every- everybody, thanks for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day. And Leanne, we'll be back on the next episode. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.